Uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us over at our chapel and online as well. A special welcome to any of you who are joining us for the first time. My name is Dan Thorson. I'm the pastor of discipleship here. And if you are looking uh, for a new church home, uh, I pray that Calvary is a good fit for you. Uh, myself, any of other pastors or staff, would love to connect with you uh, after the service if you'd like to uh, hear uh, anything else about Calvary. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our series, uh, as you saw in the video, uh, called Everyday Faith, uh, because the reality is that many times we get caught in living a compartmentalized life, where we bifurcate our religious life on one hand and our normal life on the other hand. We have our spiritual practices, our spiritual values uh, that sort of shape our lives over here, but then over here we have our other everyday practices and our other values that shape the rest of our lives. Now the problem is that the Bible doesn't talk about life this way. We don't have a religious life and a normal life, we just have life, and God cares about all of it. Uh, God even cares about all of the things that the Bible has little to nothing uh, to say about, things that are only true for our modern reality. Things like social media, television, online gaming. I know you guys are super excited for the message today, I can tell. Now, these obviously were not everyday realities for Jesus or uh, anyone in the first century, but they are for us. And so, as faithful followers of Jesus, uh, we want every aspect of our everyday lives uh, to be formed and informed by our faith in Jesus. And so we need to seek God's wisdom regarding our use of media and the online world. Or another way of saying that is just our use of screens, screen time. And this is an everyday reality for the vast majority of us. In the United States, the average person plays video games for an hour and 27 minutes a day, is on social media for two hours and 14 minutes a day, watches TV or videos for three hours and 16 minutes a day, and browses websites for 51 minutes a day. That's a grand total of seven hours and four minutes a day. Now, meanwhile, studies suggest that screen time alone, just screen time alone, including things you know like solitaire on the computer or whatever, so not, not considering the content, just the screen time, has immense health consequences on the consumer. Screen time contributes to obesity, lack of sleep, neck and back problems, trouble concentrating, increasing uh, erratic and violent behavior, and of course, increasing depression and anxiety. I mean, the negative consequences become more severe when we focus on particular content or particular uses of screens, like social media, violent video games, or you know, the growing population, uh, popularity of binge-watching shows. Now, if you did a Google search on a screen, haha, it's not difficult to find just an, a vast amount of studies and research that show the detrimental impact that screens are having on our mental social, emotional, and even our spiritual health. Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, 
but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The use of screens is a behavior, it's a custom, it's a pattern of our world. And again, the vast majority of us go along with it, myself included. Uh, I am not an outlier here. I'll, I'll even look at my phone right now and I'll tell you what my weekly average, this is actually kind of funny, those of you who have iPhones, you get like a weekly report and it literally just showed up on my phone. Um, so this last week, uh, I averaged three hours and 15 minutes a day on my phone. And that tracks all sorts of things from Google Maps to photos to, you know, watching NFL preseason games sometimes on my NFL app to, you know, social media things. And that's not even considering, you know, sometimes when, we watch, when I watch shows with my wife at night or if I play a video game with one of my kids. Now, I believe that as we assess the use of our screen times for ourselves and for our families, that it's helpful to differentiate between the real and the ideal. Because otherwise we won't take any next step. We'll just get discouraged or we'll try to do something really drastic but it won't ultimately work. I mean, sometimes screens are necessary for our lives. The irony is not lost on me that I'm using a screen right now, uh, that you guys have screens in the building, that if you're in the chapel or watching online, you're obviously looking at a screen uh, right now. So screens, in a lot of ways, are inevitable. We use them for work. We use them for all sorts of things. And, you know, we've just come to depend on them, whether it's for the the convenience of them, but they also ease our anxiety. They uh, are a good distraction for us. or For those of you who are parents, they are a great distraction for kids to occupy them while we get some house chores done or something like that. Drastic action can feel impossible. But, as I was referencing those different studies... We would be fooling ourselves to think that our use of screens isn't having a negative impact on our lives and on our relationship with God. So I don't want to have unrealistic goals, but I want us to separate the the real and the ideal, but to ultimately submit this everyday aspect of our lives to God and to follow Romans 12, where we can allow him to change the way that we think so then it actually changes the way that we live every day. Now I want to say that what God might call you to do might be different than the person sitting next to you, uh, and that can be hard if you're married to the person sitting next to you, Uh, but it might be different. Our circumstances are different, our temperaments are different, but our relationship with God is unique. And so as much as you can this morning, I want you to apply this to yourself and not the person who you think has a bigger problem with screens, or not just, you know, think about that younger generation that you think maybe uses it far more than you. But what is God calling you to do? What's your next step of submitting this aspect of your everyday life to Jesus? Now, this morning, there's three biblical principles that uh, I think that we can apply to our unique lives and to our unique circumstances when it comes to taking that next step of faith and following Jesus with our everyday use of screens. And the first one is this. Be thoughtful and wise. Be thoughtful and wise. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools 
but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and, make, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful how you live. So this must take into account something that, again, wasn't true in the first century when this was written, but is true for us about how we should engage with screens. You know, for Paul in this passage, one of the destructive tendencies that uh, the people he was writing to were struggling with was with alcohol, with drunkenness. See, like, like alcohol, we can often use screens to cope with what's going on in our lives, and it can have similar negative consequences. In fact, screens can actually be addictive. They can be so addictive that some studies link them and relate them to the actual use of illicit drugs. Here's a few more statistics for you. 85% of American adults can't spend a day without going online. The average person checks their phone 96 times a day. And studies have shown that addictive screen use changes pathways in our brains. And it makes other activities less rewarding and that it can have similar negative effects as other addictions. We need to be careful how we live. Not foolishly, but wisely. We need to make the most of every opportunity. That's what it's saying here in Ephesians. The reality is that the time that you and I spend on screens is time we aren't spending on other things. And oftentimes we're doing that thoughtlessly. We're being foolish instead of wise. Here's a little thought experiment. If, if I asked uh, all of us in this room to just kind of come up with, what would be your, the 15 values that you ideally would have shape your life and your choices and your priorities? The most important things in life, what would they be? Now, I would guess that you would list things like faith, family, friends, you know, maybe certain hobbies, maybe developing certain character traits. Many of us value our health. We value growth and development, achievement, maybe certain kinds of experiences. I would guess that for the majority of us, screens would not make the top 15 on our list of life values. And yet screen time is dominating our time. Here's a hard truth that we all need to contend with. Values aren't revealed in what we say or what we want, but in what we do. Values aren't revealed in what we say or what we want, but in what we do. We don't tend to think that way. We like to think that what really matters to us is found in our best intentions or our hopeful aspirations but we're just deceiving ourselves. What we truly value is where we invest our time, our money, our resources. That's what we value, is what we do. And it turns out that we value comfort, entertainment, emotional and mental escape, convenience, and the addictive rush of dopamine that screens give us more than family, friends, reading, learning new skills, or participating in a lot of our hobbies. 
Now again, none of us would say that our values are structured that way. But our actions reveal what is true. And so Paul tells us, he urges us, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So instead of being foolish, we want to be wise. Instead of squandering our time, we want to make the most of it. Instead of acting thoughtlessly, we should be thoughtful. And that is easier said than done. Practically, I think that being wise and thoughtful would mean that all of us would have a plan regarding our screen use, that we would put limitations around ourselves so that we're doing it intentionally, that we're doing it thoughtfully. And so again, the question is, what's your next step? Not your spouse's, not the person sitting next to you, not your siblings, not your sibling's family. What's your next step? What is God calling you to do? Again, it will be different than somebody else. Is it limiting your time somehow? Is it disconnecting from social media? Is it setting goals with your spouse or a friend or your small group? So remember, in limiting our screen time, we're not just taking away something that's bad. We're removing something so that we can actually replace it with something we want to value more. What could we do if we devoted more of our time to families, friends, hobbies, or our own growth and our own relationship with God? When we think about it that way, I don't think we would really regret disconnecting from screens. We all have a step we can take, and we all can make space to allow God to influence our everyday lives when it comes to our use of screens. So that first principle, be thoughtful and wise. The second principle is this, focus on what is good. Pastor Zach talked about this passage uh, last week from Philippians chapter four, and we're gonna look at it again today. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Screen use uh, in and of itself is not bad. There's a lot of good things that come through screens. We can become and have become better educated. We can do jobs more efficiently. We can stay connected to people that we care about uh, that we don't otherwise get to see on a regular basis. But like food we consume, what we consume through screens ultimately impacts our health for better or for worse. Some things that we consume on screens will inevitably make us more bitter, more angry. Some things we watch might make us less moral. Some things make us more insecure or on the other hand, more prideful. Some things might make us more afraid. I mean, one of the most obvious toxic realities of screens is online pornography. The average age for someone who is exposed to pornography is 12 years old. And my own life fits in well with that statistic. One in every five internet searches is for pornography. The reality is that fear sells. Sex sells. Immorality sells. Suspicion and conspiracy sell. What naturally grabs our attention isn't typically what is good or true or kind. 
Most of our consumption regarding screens is negatively impacting us. It's hurting our self-image. It encourages us to behave in destructive ways, and it creates disconnect in our relationships. So what can we do? We can focus on the good. Now, again, there isn't a one-size-fits-all prescription for this, and so we do have to think about the real versus the ideal, and that can be a helpful moderating principle. We don't need to stick our heads in the sand and, you know, just try to think that everything is, you know, rainbows and sunrises, uh, pretend that everything is happy. We don't need to do that. But we need to carefully discern and understand how what we are consuming is unnecessarily hurting us. So what's your step? What's mine? Is your news consumption, for example, making you a more bitter and angry person? Well, maybe you should reduce consuming that content or maybe even diversify the sources that you are pulling your news from. Is your social media consumption causing you to feel shame, deep insecurity, anxiety, or maybe a lot of pride, and you're just feeling good about yourself all the time? Well, we should probably do something about that. Is the content of movies or shows you're watching making you care less about being holy? Is it making it easier to just sort of accept sin? Well, then we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean to follow Jesus regarding the consumption of that content? You know, it's a lot easier to think about the impact of content on kids than it is on ourselves. And we regularly have this conversation at home, whether it's with, you know, a movie, a show, video games, or even something like an audio book. Uh, it is very evident to us how the content impacts our kids. Uh, my son Liam, for example, um, if he sees uh, a show or something where, you know, there's, you know, fighting and battles and aggression, he becomes a little bit more violent um, and aggressive. Uh, even yesterday, he wanted to wrestle. He didn't just want to wrestle, he wanted to punch wrestle. That's what he wanted to do. And I'm like, ooh, where did he, where did he start picking that up? You know, why, did, why does he want to do that? Uh, when, when he sees different things, for example, when he hears bad words, he just immediately picks them up um, and thinks it's hilarious just to use them all the time. And then we have to be like, okay, how are we going to parent him and, you know, help him steward all of this new information? It's obvious to us how kids are impacted by media that they consume, by the content that they consume. And yet we often think that as adults we're immune to it, but we're not. Our attitudes, our beliefs, our worldviews, our emotions, our actions all change as a result of the content we are consuming through screens. It's inevitable. We cannot escape it. And so we should practice this principle of focusing on what is good, on what is pure and true. Again, it's not just about taking something away. It's about adding what's positive and doing something that's good for us. It's about aligning our lives with the values that we actually want to have and the character traits that we actually want to exhibit. Our true values, again, are not represented in our, act are represented in our actions, not our good intentions or our hopeful aspirations. So what does it look like? What does it mean for you and for me to leave today and to fix our attention on what is good, true, pure, and honorable? How does that impact what we watch, what we consume? And again, I'm talking to myself right now just as much 
as I am to you. Principle one, be thoughtful and wise. Principle two, focus on what is good. And principle three, be salt and light. Now, when Jesus arrived on the scene, especially when he started his uh, public ministry, many uh, Jewish people came to think that, hey, maybe this is that guy we've been waiting for, the promised Messiah, the new king uh, that God promised through the prophets that he was going to send. And this new king is going to overthrow our enemies, which at the time was the Roman Empire. And this new king is going to establish Israel once again as a powerful, independent, free nation. And because of that, many people thought that what this Messiah would do and should do and what Jesus would do and should do would be to go to the city center, to go to Jerusalem and go and start meeting with those that held power, political power and religious power so that he could do the work of establishing God's kingdom once again in Israel. But God doesn't do do that through Jesus. Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he goes out into the country towards the Sea of Galilee. And he starts bringing his ministry and his message to very, very ordinary people. Like you and me. In the famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus instructs these just common folk what it means to be God's people in God's world. He teaches them how they should order their lives, how they should interact with one another, and how they should even treat their enemies. He gives them an integrated picture of faith, an everyday faith, about how their obedience to God isn't just about sacrifices and going to the temple and this ritual here and this ritual there, but it's about making promises in your relationships, that faith should impact marriage, Again, how they should treat those who mistreat them. Jesus talks about things like food and clothing and money. Normal, everyday things. And then he says in Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop. Everyone knew that this was Jerusalem. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. These normal, average, everyday people from Galilee are being commissioned as the new Jerusalem, as God's kingdom. God's kingdom is being established, and it's not defined by walls. It's not defined by a government structure. It's defined by living life a certain kind of way. And for us as Jesus followers today, this is true for us. And it should apply to our use of screens. You know, in the world of social media, we not only consume, but we contribute. We're able to interact, to comment, to promote ideas that we like, and even to put out our own content. And we need to be salt and light in our presence there. To apply the Sermon on the Mount so that we can be God's people in God's world. Because it's quite apparent that for many of us, many followers of Jesus, we have a tendency to sort of check our discipleship at the door of the online world. 
Seems that for many Christians, the fruits of the Spirit stop mattering when you can just type out your response. Far too often, Christians are representing themselves that are unbecoming to the kingdom of God. We get angry, we get defensive, we get vindictive, we bully and make fun of others, we promote unwholesome or even sinful content. We even allow our vanity and our pride to show in our dishonest and self-promotional posts. See, Jesus' words apply to us whether or not we are in person or online. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is it if salt has lost its flavor? May we be a church that doesn't lose its flavor just because we're engaging online. That even there we would allow people to see our good deeds. That we would represent ourselves in such a way that people would see the God that we worship and love. The other day uh, I was at home and my son Liam, who's five, decided it would be really fun to scare his three-year-old sister. And so he kept kind of like popping around the corner while she was playing and you know, roaring at her to scare her. He thought it was hilarious. She didn't really think so, as you can imagine. Now, a few minutes later, I was bringing the kids down to our basement, and the kids don't really like being down there by themselves if the lights aren't on, so I was carrying my daughter, Malia. Liam beat us down there, and I turned to Malia, and I said, do you want to scare Liam? Of course, she said yes. So we sat at the top of the stairs around the corner. Once Liam realized that we weren't coming down, he comes back up the stairs. We pop around the corner, and we scared him really good. And um, as you can imagine, he didn't like that at all. And right away he goes, Dad, you say God tells us not to do back to someone what they do to us. (laughs) And then he layered it on even more. He said this, you say you follow Jesus, but you are not following Jesus just then. No joke, verbatim. What a stinker. Now, I think this can be said to many of us when it comes to our screen use. You say you follow Jesus, but you are not following Jesus just then. We often check our faith at the door. We don't moderate our use. We aren't wise in discerning what content is good. And we often allow the worst parts of ourselves to show up in our online interactions. Let's be different as a church. Let's take our walk of discipleship and apply our faith to everyday aspects of our lives, including our use of screens. We can do that by being thoughtful and wise. We can focus on what is good and we can be salt and light. And we don't need to do this alone. Our walk of discipleship is guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that if God is the one guiding us to take a next step, if we're not just rashly being like, well, I'm just gonna do everything and you know, I'm gonna limit this and do this and do that. No, if we're following God's guidance, he's gonna be there to empower us and enable us to do it. And it's also something that, hey, if we're doing it collectively together, it becomes easier as well. And so uh, talk about what you feel God is calling you to do with your spouse, with your kids, with a friend here at church, with a small group. We don't need to do it 
alone. My prayer, though, is that we would actually put this into practice, that we wouldn't be people who just hear and say, well, that's a good idea. I feel like God could maybe be calling me to do this, and then we don't do anything about it. That we wouldn't just be hearers, but that we would be doers. And again, everyone's next step is unique, and it's different, but we can all take a next step when it comes to having an everyday faith. Let's pray. Father, we know that you ultimately care about our well-being. You love us so much. You care about our emotional, mental, and spiritual health, God. And those things are so impacted by our use of screens. And so, God, we just ask that you meet us with your compassion and your love and your guidance. And you help us all to see what next step you're calling us to take. God, not with shame or judgment, but with encouragement and hope. Help us to prioritize our lives with values that we ultimately want to have. And not to fill our time with things that don't truly matter. So God, we just give this part of our, of our lives to you. We ask that you guide us, help us to work through reshaping some of our habits. It's very difficult to do and help us to do it together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.